Let's turn to the Gospel of John this evening, the Gospel of John. Looking at the blessed bequest of Bethlehem's babe, or the legacy that has been left to us, a will that he has, as it were, written out. It's in, actually, we won't even look there, but it's in Hebrews chapter 9. In the middle of that chapter there, the last will and testament of the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, it's good to know that we have one. We might miss out down here on earth on the last will and testament of different relatives and uh, others. Some might get a surprise one, but we're waiting for a better one. A one that cannot pass away, just like the New, New Jerusalem has just been saying, will not pass away. So the blessed will of Bethlehem's babe, we could say, or the bequest. In John's Gospel, chapter 1 and verse 14, we read, And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Let us pray. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that you sent your Son who was willing to come, willing to humble himself, willing to be born in a humble place, a stable, willing to be welcomed by humble shepherds not esteemed in the society of the day, willing to mix with those who are unlearned and ignorant men, then to raise them up to do a wonderful work that we might carry it on today of spreading the gospel because of your death, burial, burial and resurrection. Lord, we thank you for the wonderful plan, the purpose, and this evening we remember the birth and the things that emanate from that, that come from the birth of our Saviour, the fulfilment of the prophecies, Lord, we thank you for that. We pray that this would be a blessing to us tonight as we look at your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> the most highly cherished gift that you have or I have ever received was in the mind of the donor before it was in the hands of the recipient. I don't know, you might have presents, we, we do. And we try to govern it when we're all together. There's 20, there's 10 kids. And you know what 10 children want to do with every present all at the same time? Open them all at the same time. <laughs> so we try to one at a time. And uh, little ones are waiting <laughs> to open that. And then they see what the other one got. But... Before they received that, somebody thought about it. It was in the mind of the donor, the giver. And is this not so true about the Lord, the Father? The same is true with God when he sent us the gift of life, the gift of the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> it reads in 1 Peter 1.20, who was verily who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times so used. So in way back before time, they had decided this to be so. 
that God would give the gift of his son. And it marvels us, doesn't not, that God knew that we'd fall into sin. God knew that Adam and Eve wouldn't and would rebel. But he still went ahead with it. He has an intent that he might fellowship with those beings he made in his image for eternity, but only with those that of their own will and volition choose to. And I think it's so important to note that throughout the scriptures. And so he sent us this gift of life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord, Romans 6.23. God wrapped this gift in human flesh. Yet one must get beneath the wrapper and appreciate the gift. We appreciate his humanity, his humility and all that went with it. But we must get below and under and see what God was intending to do. We would not know what Christ had for us if the Holy Spirit did not remove that veil sometime in the life of the Lord Jesus. And the gift was unwrapped on the Mount of Transfiguration, wasn't it? And three privileged men, Peter, James and John, saw the glory of the Lord and who he really was. And one day, and I think one day soon, we might, without dying, go into his presence and all of a sudden, in a twinkle of an eye, see the glory of the Lord. You know, we, we, we talk about chatting with Adam and, and Moses and, and Abraham and those, but I think our attention will be, <laughs> will be upon the Lord Jesus, won't it? He, will, he is the son of righteousness. He, he will shine beyond anyone else there. His radiance we will see, the smile of his face, for which we've longed for a long time. <laughs> so the Holy Spirit removes, as it were, the covering, the veil. And we could say with Paul in 2 Corinthians 9.15, Thanks be unto God for the unspeakable gift that is unwrapped or was unwrapped to us at the day of our salvation. The Holy Spirit spoke to our hearts, convicted us of our sin and our need of a saviour, and we saw the Lord Jesus. We saw him by faith, and we believed on him by faith through grace. The wrapping was removed, a wonderful day. The world at large has never seen beneath the wrapping in John 1.10, he was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. And you have heard, and I've heard, on radio and maybe television and different places in every Christmas, unsaved people singing the carols we sing, singing the Holy City. They have the, what, a tenor, is it a tenor thing? They have them, they choose the best one they can find and, and they have them sing it. And I thought, does he know what he's saying? Who he's talking about? What he's singing about? Or who he's singing about? And, and I think, you know, it is a very big privilege that we have in our country that this happens still. With all the 
other things that are happening. That we still sing these songs. Or they still sing the songs. And we can still sing the songs. But would to God that the world would see. He came to the world. The world was made by him. And the world knew him not. He wasn't unwrapped to them. Nor did Israel make the discovery. Because in the next verse, John 1.11, he came unto his own and his own received him not. Who? You? You were born of fornication. That was their declaration. That's what they accused the Lord Jesus. You're an illegitimate son. Why should we listen to you? They knew that. They thought they knew that. <laughs> but he was the son of the father, wasn't he? Conceived of the Holy Spirit. They don't under didn't understand that. But they called him illegitimate. He came to his own and his own received him not. And by have they paid for it? Because they received him not for the thousands of years since. But it is granted to the believer to have the Lord unwrapped throughout our lives that we may see him more and more. Does not the scripture say from glory to glory we move in our Christian life? From understanding scripture to understanding scripture and more and more about it. As you read in the Old Testament things pop out uh, types of the Lord Jesus uh, there appear. Prophecies of the Lord Jesus come out and we understand him more and more and appreciate him. And it gets to the point where you can't contain all these things. You, you know they're true. And if someone uh, puts you on the spot, wait a minute, I'll try and find it. <laughs> but unless you've a, a, got a great memory and a high IQ, you can't remember it all. But you do know they're there. And you have experienced them. And you do, and I do appreciate them. So as we look beneath the wrapper quickly this, this evening, thinking of the coming of the Lord Jesus, this one who is unwrapped has authority to grant sonship. Because in the next verse, verse 12 of John 1, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. So this one is unwrapped, and he has power to make us his children, his sons, and his daughters. Uh, saint, whoever. <laughs> and, and if you're a Christian, you're a saint. Forget the Catholics and all, all their hogwash, or well, whatever you call it. It's nonsense that they can make someone a saint after they're dead. What's the use of that? Because those people that they have made saints are probably not in heaven. That's terrible, isn't it? You say, how dare you say that? Well, that's if they did not. By faith, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. If they trusted their works and they went out and the Pope and all the others can call them saints, but they're not saints in God's eyes. Those who simply believe by faith are granted sonship and are accepted in the beloved, in the family of God. He has, as we unwrap him, the wrapper is removed. He has grace to offer for salvation in verse 14 that we've already read the word was made flesh dwelt among us and we beheld his glory the glory is the only begotten of the father full of grace and truth oh the grace of God we see it in the old testament in his patience with the Israel, Israelites in the wilderness and in the land under the judges in the land under the kings but finally 
his patience broke, but his grace still extended and still will extend to them that have rejected him. What about you tonight? Have you received the grace of God, the grace of salvation? And that's over there in that well-known verse we know in Ephesians chapter 2. And we'll read from verse 7, usually just read from verse 6, I mean 8. In chapter 2, verse 7, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So by the grace of God, we are saved. And so he has grace to offer for salvation. Have you received the grace of God in salvation? If you look at chapter 1 of Ephesians and verse 6 and 8, to the praise of the glory of his grace, through which he made us accepted in the beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Every verse we've looked at there in those, those ones where it mentions the grace of God. He has, as we see him unwrapped and revealed by the Holy Spirit to us, grace to offer for salvation unwrap the gift again thirdly and we see <coughs> truth to present for enlightenment this one as we see him unfold before our eyes as we read the scriptures and hear sermons preached by faithful men is the truth to present for enlightenment the world wants to know what truth what did Pilate say what's truth what's truth yeah, he, he was an intellectual man he looked around he said did it can't be found <laughs> and he was speaking to the one who is personified truth the Lord Jesus in chapter 6 of the gospel of John and verse 63 John 6 63 we read this in it is the spirit that quickeneth the flesh profiteth nothing the words that I speak unto you they are spirit and they are life and didn't use the word truth but it's <laughs> it's there isn't it and back in chapter 1 and verse 17, we should have looked at this one before we left there. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. And praise the Lord for that. As we see him, he's the personification of truth. He couldn't lie, he wouldn't lie, he didn't lie. Not one lie. He was truth. And, and he was truthful to his closest companions... He was truthful with Peter, who was boisterous and just bloated things out and sort of, he was a bully of a man. Sorry, Peter. But, you know, he just did that. He overrid other people, as you look. But you need men like that too, don't you? You need men like that to, to lead at times, as long as they lead by the Spirit of God, not by the will of man. And so God, the Lord Jesus one of the last things he did was to Peter, wasn't it? Lovest thou me more than this? And he said it before all the other disciples too. You know, you don't go around it. You go through it and say, what's right to this individual? And boy, did Peter learn a lesson that day. Beside the fire, he was brought back to fellowship. He lost the fellowship beside warming himself by a fire. On the, on the day of, of the Lord's examination 
and trial. He gained his fellowship back by a fire just before the Lord uh, was going to go back to be seated at the right hand. This one also has treasures to bestow for enrichment. In Colossians 2 verse 3, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. You want to get wise? Learn about the Lord Jesus. Learn from him. Learn from his truth. Learn from his word and you'll have treasures. You see, if you're the prime minister or the president or the dictator of a whole country, but you don't know God, you don't know the wisdom of God, you don't know the word of God, you don't know the way of God, you go out into eternity lost. But if you're a Christian, a simple Christian, <laughs> believe by faith, you have wisdom above those people in that pos those positions. And we can today. We look around and we see decisions our government make. And we say, why? It's because they have not got the wisdom of God. Pray for them. We need to pray for them because they are under the hammer everywhere around the world. This one, as we unwrap, has peace. Peace to bequeath for comfort in times of trial. In John's Gospel, chapter 14 and verse 27, John 14 and 27, we read, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. In another verse, I think it's in Philippians, isn't it? He gives peace that passes understanding, all understanding. Peace that passes understanding. He has bequeathed that to us. He has willed that to us. He has said, if you believe on me, this peace will come. You'll be at peace with God. You'll have the peace of God and you'll enjoy peace on earth when it happens the peace of God and it's given in different ways in different verses the, the peace that's bequeathed to us as we unwrap the gift that's been given the unspeakable gift of the Lord Jesus also <clears throat> he has power to release from problems <laughs> Matthew twenty-eight, eighteen, and there's many verses you could put in with uh, these as well and Jesus came and spoke unto them saying all power is given unto me in heaven and, er and in earth go ye therefore and teach all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father the Son and the Holy Spirit and he said and lo I am with you always his power to release from the problems of this world to serve and to minister for him and Ephesians speaks of that the power that we receive through the presence of God in our life. And it's when we get to the point we realize this is not working because I'm trying to do it. It only works when God works through you to do it. <laughs> and, and because we're human and because we're proud people, we often forget that. God works for his glory through us. When we get the glory, he's not working. And so... Pray to God that we'll know the presence and the power of God upon our lives and our ministry and our testimony. And, uh, and, and we can sit back and enjoy what God does through us because we simply yield and say, yes, Lord, I'll follow you. And lastly, 
as we unwrap the Lord Jesus, we see hope to instill for assurance in our life. Have we got assurance or have we got insurance? That was brought up when? First Sunday of the month, was it? Oh, Pastor Hine, that's right. <laughs> Have we got assurance or insurance? We've got assurance, better than insurance. <laughs> Hebrews 6.19, which hope we have as an anchor to the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil. <laughs> an anchor of the soul with everything that's going wrong what is this that thing over again in indonesia i don't think i'd like to live in indonesia especially on the coast it's just uh, terrible things and there's hundreds of people killed and maybe a lot more yet to be found and you think of the you, I, you look at the people wandering around through the wreckage and the demolition of the houses and cars and, and they, they, you say they, they've got no hope if they're not Christians, they're just a hopeless situation. How do they keep on going? But in the Lord Jesus Christ, if one was a Christian, even in those positions, even in those conditions, under those circumstances, we still have hope, don't we? It's sure and steadfast it's to that which enters within the veil. And we'll be looking at that, the door, in one of the studies in near future. The door, the veil and the curtain. And we come within the veil into the presence of the Lord. And we have a hope. It's not a hope-so hope. It's a no-so no hope. <laughs> it's a good hope. <laughs> it's, it's a hope not that, you know, like we say, oh, I hope it comes to pass. No, when we say I hope it comes to pass in Christian circles, that means it's going to come to pass. I absolutely believe it. Don't you believe it? Amen. The Lord Jesus is coming again. Amen. The new Jerusalem will be. Yes that God will take control of this world and with all the things that he will and we have a blessed hope and a, at the glorious appearance of our great God and Saviour Jesus Christ if it be said that these stated benefits were only potentials at Bethlehem they became irrefutably realities at Calvary in Romans 8.32 he that spared not his own son but delivered him up for us all how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? And who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It's God that justified. It's God that saved. It's God that keeps. And he's not going to advocate any time soon. No, never. He's never going to advocate the throne, is he? He's always on his throne. And he is in control, though we look around the world and say it's all out of control. He's still in control. Can you imagine Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego and Daniel and uh, uh, Ezekiel up there too and, and looking at the situation as dire, as desperate, all our relatives have been killed, we're the privileged ones to be, have our lives spared, we've been dragged off to Babylon and they want us to sing songs of Zion up here and how can we when we're so far away, thousands of kilometres away, a long way when you had to walk it from our hometown and from Jerusalem, how can we sing? And the, and the situation seemed hopeless but not for those that believed because God through Jeremiah had said 70 years you're going to spend up here and old Daniel got down on his knees and he faced Jerusalem and he started praying earnestly when 70 years was about up and I think 
folks, brethren, we ought to get on our knees and start praying that God would do a work through us before he comes and save more souls. And I'm glad to hear the prayers of the people after the sermons lately that that's the intent, that souls would be saved, that opportunities would be had to share the Lord. What about this Christmas? Opportunities to share about the hope that we have, the realities of Calvary, freely given us all things to richly enjoy. These are actualities now in life of every true believer. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So enjoy this season. And the reason for it is the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank him for it. We're heading out to eternity soon. All aboard. <laughs> Come to the Lord Jesus. Unwrap the gift. And say, I have found the unspeakable gift. Let's let the Holy Spirit speak to you through the word that you might be saved. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for the truth of your word. Thank you for the realities of this wonderful gift that God unwraps through his spirit to us and through the word of God. And we see the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Beneath his humanity was his deity, his eternality. Everything that God is, he was and still is. And thank you for that. And that you would deem to love us. To save, to, to die for us who were, while we were sinners. Rebels against you. Lord, bless the word to our hearts and may we rejoice this Christmas with our families, with our friends and give us opportunity to serve and to tell others. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat>